Welcome in to the Rock Talk Studio, the podcast where we dissect, analyze, and discuss the world of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Today we're going to take a look at Stephen Van Zandt's book, Unrequited Infatuations. Is this book worth your time and money? Well, the next 15 minutes of this rock and roll conversation will definitely answer that question. And I promise to deliver it to you with all the passion of a John Bonham drum solo. I'm your host, Big Rick. Let's plug in. So here's how the show is set up. We do three main sets. The first set is uh, the review, and then I give the book the official Rock Talk Studio rating. In the second set, I take a look at what a true fan will get out of this book. If you're a true little Stephen fan, maybe even a Springsteen fan, is this worth your time? And then I'll flip it around and look at a casual fan. So if you're just a casual fan wondering about Stephen Van Zandt, is this book going to be something that's worth investing in? I'm going to answer that question also. The third set, that's where I do my best to answer an impossible to answer rock and roll question. And then like every good rock and roll show, we have an encore. This is where I add just one more thing you have to see, hear, or read about Stephen Van Zandt. Time for the first set. Let's get into the review. So I'm rewatching Sopranos with my wife, and one of the first things she says is, who is that guy with that pompadour and the funky suits and that weird stance? And I'm like, hey, that's that's little Steven, Steven Van Zandt from the E Street Band. And she kind of knew who he was, but I definitely knew who he was growing up back east, Springsteen, seen him a bunch of times. I also remember him from the Lily Hammer show that he did, the spinoff to the kind of Sopranos thing, the comedy show. And I remember 85, 86, I was in Hollywood managing a record store and the Sun City record came out, the Apartheid record, Sun City. But what else did I know about him? You know, it started to think about it. Not really too much. And that's what led me to picking up the book. Unrequited Obsessions is the perfect way of describing him and his life. I mean, he shamelessly admits that he needs to be working all the time and working hard and really putting his life and soul into his work. And his story, it's a dizzying romp of one project after another for, we're talking 40 years of rock and roll history is in this book. I mean, 40 years is a long time to be in the business and to be be successful. What I got really, really early on in the book was, why are people missing out on this guy? I mean, why isn't he more, more heralded in the rock and roll world? He has done a, a ton of major work and he has become this go-to guy for a long list of legends in rock and roll. And, and I got the answer pretty quickly, too. It's because he kind of did it to himself. And he purposely positions himself as the guy behind the guy. I mean, he is Sil Dante, the Sopranos character, the, the Consiglione. And he lives for kind of bringing out the best in others. And when he sees someone else's potential, he goes straight for the jugular. I mean, he doesn't mince words, and he will do whatever he can to help him out. And the list of the people that he's helped out is long. I mean, Springsteen, obviously, Southside Johnny. Uh, he, he was really influential in helping out a lot of the older rock and rollers like Dion, um, Little Richard, Darlene Love. I mean, there's a great part in the book where he even told Dylan after Dylan asked him his opinion about his new record to scrap it, that it sucked. <laughs> and, and Dylan did. Little Steven, and he's probably best known as Little Steven, he got hit what he describes perfectly in the book as the big bang of rock and roll, February 9, 1964, when the Beatles arrived and played the Ed Sullivan show. So him and a, a pretty long list of other people's lives changed on that moment. I mean, Tom Petty, Billy Joel, 
Annie Nancy Wilson from Heart, Gene Simmons. There's a long list of people who saw that show and then said, hey, this is for me. So he carries with him this kind of hippie music can change the world 60s philosophy because he grew up when it was actually a real thing. So he believes in it and brings that attitude to all his work. And that's one thing that makes this book so enjoyable. It's his voice and the way he tells the story. He's opinionated. He's prideful. He's full of himself. He's humble. He's loud. He's brash. But he's always, always maintaining this commitment he has to the art form known as rock and roll. He just believes in this art form so much. And I think he's been misjudged or, or maybe not judged enough for his contributions he's made and continues to make to music. The book has a, a really great flow to it. It doesn't feel stepped on by an editor at all. I mean, it's Van Zant's personality coming through it. And that's what makes it such a great read. And his writing is, is just kind of his character. He's very unique. He's very different. And you get a really good sense of how he operates and goes after his obsessions. Those obsessions don't always pan out the way he wants to. I mean, good example is his solo work. And he spends a lot of time talking about that. And, you know, he toured around the world with it, but it never really broke him. But it did generate four pretty distinct and successful careers. Obviously, he got this Springsteen part of his career, which was huge. I mean, he was one of you know, one of the early members of that band, and he played a, a major part in the early sound of Bruce. And as just kind of his right-hand man, he wrote the horn chart, the 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and that was that was big. And he also played a big part in coming up with the guitar, the intro to Born to Run. And there was also an, uh, one other thing where I thought it was, was uh, interesting, where it kind of just blew Bruce up, was the Hungry Heart single. They were having trouble in the studio getting the mix they wanted. Bruce wanted it one way. The producer wanted it the other way. And, you know, Bruce was talking to little Steven. Little Steven told him, get back in there and do the mix you want. Be true to yourself. And he did. And that was the biggest hit that Springsteen had at the time. That was bigger than Born to Run. I mean, the Hungry Heart number one single blew that band up. And that was during the river time, right before the big Born in the USA time. So they're riding high. It's Born in the USA. They're peaking. They're making money. They're touring the world. And what does Steven Van Zandt do? He quits the band. And I'm not going to get into the whys of that. I mean, I don't want to spoil it too much, but he decides that he, he's, he's going to be doing some other things. And the first thing he does is he, he puts his life on the line and he travels to South Africa to meet up with this violent sect of South African revolutionaries to talk to him about anti-apartheid stuff. And that led to the Sun City record that he put together with Man, there's a huge guest list of people. Lou Reed, Bono, Curtis Blow, Miles Davis, Run DMC. I mean, the list is long, long, long. But that record was was a really cool record. And, and in some ways, it led to helping get the uh, Nelson Mandela release from prison. And that's some pretty heavy lifting for half a hippie guitar player from Jersey. And then, of course, the acting thing was this kind of second career that he got into. The Sopranos was huge. And he wrote Lilyhammer. The second, the kind of the spinoff uh, comedy show that he did, and that was the first Netflix show that they ever ran, the first just pure Netflix streaming show. So he had a first with that, which was kind of huge. And then he had another really, really big huge, and that was he had the first themed show on Sirius Radio. So Underground Garage, his show, which is still going today, great, great, great show. 
was the first streaming radio that Sirius ever did. So, you know, now you've got Tom Petty record, you got Grateful Dead record, Springsteen record, those theme radio stations. That was the first one. That was such a groundbreaking show. And it opened up the doors to a lot of people doing a lot of different stuff on Sirius radio. The DJ career leads to kind of the end of the book where he come full circle with his rock and roll career. He gets back with Bruce in the E Street Band. It's a great moment and just a great way to end the book. I mean, landing an ending to anything is not easy, but this one was one of my favorite all-time endings, I got to admit, to a rock and roll memoir. It just had me smiling and kind of cheering for this well-deserved torchbearer for the art form known as rock and roll. And that's our review for Little Steven's book, Unrequited Infatuations. Coming up next in our second set, we're going to put our rating on the book, the official Rock Talk Studio stamp. Have a question, a different opinion? Hey, who doesn't? We're talking rock and roll here. Shout out to me, Big Rick, at rocktalkstudio at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website to see the upcoming shows or the past shows at rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. That's rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. All right, now it's our time where we stamp our official Rock Talk Studio rating on Little Steven's book. And this is the way the, the rating system is set up. A one is front row center. A two, you're in the loge seats, not a bad view. And a three, you're in the nosebleeds, baby. Stephen Van Zandt's book, Unrequited Infatuations, is a one front row center all the way. This is a very unique read. It's been it's been a while since I've read a book like this. It's, I'm trying to remember something that stacks up next to it, but it, it's 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 a one of a kind because of his voice, because of his character, his personality really shines through. And you, you it's like you're talking to little Stephen reading this book. And now it's time to go a little bit more in depth and talk a little bit about if I would recommend this book and who I would recommend this book to. So if are you a little Stephen fan? Are you a Springsteen fan? Uh, are you a fan of E Street Band? We're going to talk about what a, a true fan is going to get out of this book if it's recommended for a true fan. And then what about a casual fan? If you know a little bit about uh, little Stephen, you know, Sopranos, probably where you know him most if you're a casual fan, man, of course, E Street Band. Is this book going to be worth your time and your money? We'll talk about that coming up next in our next set. It's second set time, and I want to look at both sides of the coin here. So I want to talk about if you're a, a, a true fan of Little Steven and, of course, E Street Band Springsteen. That kind of goes hand in hand there. And or if you're just a casual fan, like what's in it for a casual fan? But let's start first with a fan. If you're a Little Steven fan, I think you're going to love the book. Not only is there Springsteen tidbits in here, and yes, there is. And there's actually, I actually learned a little bit about Springsteen. I mean, Springsteen fans have read the Springsteen book. So they're going to get a different side, a different angle. And I really like that to be able to see things from a different perspective. Little Steven's perspective was kind of interesting on some Springsteen stuff. So there is some cool Springsteen stuff in there, some E Street Band stuff. But not only that, he fills out the rest of his career and he really gives you a better understanding of who he is and what he's been doing kind of behind the scenes all these years, 40 years, a long time in the music business and who he's worked with. I mean, he's worked with Bono. He's worked with Lou Reed. Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band, Miles Davis, Curtis Blow, Little Richard, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, who 
hasn't this guy worked with? So there's a lot of really great, juicy stuff for uh, a fan of Little Steven and the E Street Band Springsteen. You're going to really enjoy it. Now, let's take a look at what a casual fan is going to get out of this book. Is it worth a read for a casual fan? And I would say if you are a fan of rock and roll, if you like to learn about rock and roll history, like to know a lot about uh, behind the scenes stuff, you're going to really love this book. And the way it's presented with Van Zandt's voice and personality, it's very unique and it's a great read. It's a real good read, a real good time. He is very opinionated. I will say that for a casual fan, could be a little much. He's, he's definitely got strong opinions about politics and the way things should be run and how to be a musician and things like that. But overall, if you're a rock and roll fan and you love the rock and roll history and the spirit of rock and roll, this is a really great read. Coming up next, the third and final set where I ask and try to answer an impossible to answer rock and roll question. Before we jump into today's impossible question, and it's a good one today too, I want to just kind of fill everybody in on, on what's coming up next, what I'm working on, what I've been reading, what am I spending my time on. There's a new book by Bono I just started getting into. It's really, really good. Uh, the next couple of shows, though, are going to be Credence. There's a Credence documentary live at Royal Albert Hall and also the Matt Sorum book, a crazy sex, drugs, rock and roll tale from the drummer of the cult. Guns N' Roses, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, jumped for Motorhead for a while. So the Matt Sorum book, that's coming up. And there's also a new documentary, Let There Be Drums. So there's a lot of things coming up that I'm going to be working on, focusing on, and recommending for this show. You can find out the listings of the shows that we've already done at the rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. That's the website, rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. Let's jump into the third set, which is the impossible question. And I just want to let you know, first of all, the impossible question has no definitive answer. It's impossible to answer. The reason why I come up with them is it's just a different way to look at the artist, a different scenario, kind of turning things around, shaking things up. It's just kind of a way to, to throw around a weird rock and roll possibility. So today's impossible question is, what if little Steven, Steven Van Zant, was the leader of the E Street Band and not Bruce Springsteen? And, and I know this is kind of a far-fetched thing, but it did come close there. There was a moment where Springsteen didn't want to be the lead singer anymore. He just wanted to be the lead guitarist. And he stepped back and little Steven had to talk him out of it and push him back out front and get him back out there. So little Steven as the leader of the E Street Band, it's kind of interesting. I mean, little Steven's sound, his solo sound kind of plays to the E Street Band's talents, especially Clarence and, and the, the, the horn and the, the soul aspect of it. I mean, little Steven's um, kind of rock and soul thing that he does on his with his solo stuff and the stuff with Southside Johnny. So the sound would have been a little bit different, but it would have played to, I think, Steven's advantage. And I think it would have propelled his solo career and, you know, made him a little bit more of a, a bigger star than he was, especially with the backing of the E Street Band. I mean, that band is one of if not the best band in America, I mean, best backing band in America, let's put it that way. Um, little Steven and the E Street Band, I know it's a little far-fetched, but it is our impossible question. What happens when you follow or subscribe to Rock Talk Studio or leave a five-star review? 
Well, the reason why I do this is because I love rock and roll. I love talking about rock and roll. And I want the art form, the conversation about it, and the music to live on. You know, as the makers of the music start to head into the final chapters of their lives, I think it's important to honor them and to keep celebrating the music that has made those classic rock and roll years so special. So hit the subscribe button, join this community, and know that any support is really, really appreciated. All right, it's time for the show's encore, where we send you off with something you have to know, see, or read about Stephen Van Zandt. Kind of continues the story. If you're looking for something else about uh, little Stephen, and this one is probably one of my favorite encores. This is great. You've got to check it out. It's his underground garage radio show. I can't recommend the show uh, enough. He launched it in 2002. It's nationally syndicated radio that started out on Sirius Radio, but now you can find it and stream it. Uh, It's a two-hour show. He bases them around themes, and he plays music from like 60 years of rock and roll, and I guarantee you he's going to play music you've never heard before, some really great obscure stuff. And Van Zandt is the DJ, throwing obscure facts, antidotes, a bunch of oddball rock and roll history. It's it's classic. I've been hooked since I started listening. I can't recommend it enough. Little Steven's Underground Garage Radio Show. And if you don't believe me, ask Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day, who, when asked about the show, said, quote, it's the best rock and roll radio show in the world, period. Thanks for tuning in. Love talking rock and roll and appreciate anyone who takes a few minutes out of their day to enjoy the ride with me. Remember, you can find other and future episodes at rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. All right, tear it down, pack it up, and head on down the road. We'll see you next time at the Rock Talk Studio.